You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. What to make of General Milley? What to make of General Milley? Complicated figure from where I sit. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking about interviewing Phil Rucker and Carol Lenig recently, both here on POTUS and on CNN. They wrote one of the many books, one of the better received, but one of the many books that has been published about the the final days of the Trump administration. Theirs was the one called I Alone Can Fix It. And the portrayal of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in that book was was very glowing. I mean, he's the one who came out smelling like a rose, to quote the old phrase, he was portrayed as this bulwark against any possible attempt at a coup by Donald Trump in the time period immediately after the election. And I remember, uh, for example, there was a line that they attributed to Milley, one of those where you knew Milley had to have been the source, where it's now the inauguration and he's being congratulated by Vice President Kamala Harris who may or may not have just been sworn in, I forget as to the timing, hardly matters, um, and that she was thanking him and saying something like, I remember from reading the book, um, we know what you did. We know what you did. And then in accepting that praise, General Milley said, we landed the plane. We landed the plane. And that was his way of saying, yes, we were able to, you know, frankly, I was able to guide us through this struck me as a little self-congratulatory when I read the book and when I conducted the interview, but maybe deservedly so. You know, maybe he did land the plane. I also remember when I was reading that book wondering, but where was he on the 6th? Because they, they spoke extensively about General Milley had called this person and General Milley was in this meeting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but what, what did he actually do then on the 6th? And in my interview with Phil Rucker and Carol Lennig, I asked that question. I think it was the final question of the of the interview here at, at POTUS where I said, OK, I get it. But tell me about that day. Let, let me play a brief clip. A final question. I'm not giving it all away for free. The book is called I Alone Can Fix It. And it's terrific. Uh, Carol, General Milley comes out of the book, I think, looking very much with his reputation intact, notwithstanding the role that he played in the the march across Lafayette Square. If he were so concerned about a coup from election day forward, 
where was he on January the 6th? Was there more that he could have done to ward off those events or to better protect the Capitol? On January 6th, Millie had been for now at that point, probably eight to 10 days monitoring everything he could to figure out whether or not there was going to be a problem on that day. He was, you know, all sensors up for problems, for plots, for violence, you know, the Boogaloo Boys, the Oath Keepers, his warning to the troops that day in a gymnasium as they planned for the inauguration. Those were things he was worried about before January 6th. And he was literally monitoring social media platforms to see, you know, who was planning to come on the 6th. And he was alerting, um, you know, members of Congress that he was very close to that there were threats against, for example, uh, Mitch McConnell's life, that there were talk, there was talk on social media about smuggling guns into Washington on that day and heading to the Capitol. So he had all all his antenna firing and up and ready. Um, I I don't know that that really I don't know that no disrespect to Carol. She was just answering my question. I don't know that that satisfies my desire for information about Millie on the 6th is if this is the way that, you know, he's presented himself through journalists as being, as I said, the bulwark. I also remember thinking at the time, maybe this was all a reaction to him feeling he'd been played by Trump, being embarrassed by having been at Trump's side when Trump you know, stormed Lafayette Park in June of 2020. And more recently, we've spoken here about General Milley in the context of that last, so sad, that last drone strike in Kabul. What was it? Three days after 13 U.S. personnel were killed by ISIS-K in a suicide vest bomb blast At the Kabul airport, I always need to say 13 Americans died, 160 or 70 Afghans also died. Now, it seems great reporting by the New York Times and others, but the Times really carried the lead on this. Now, it seems, sadly, that we we killed a family, 10 innocent people, seven of them children. After it had happened, General Milley said that it was a righteous strike. Um. Maybe I'll play this at some point in the program today. But Rand Paul grilled Tony Blinken, the secretary of state yesterday on that issue. I'm just trying to flesh out and give you before I talk specifically about what we've learned in the last 24 hours, just a couple of, you know, milestones or pegs that we can tie to relative to General Mark Milley. Okay, now here comes a new book by two other Washington Post writers, the legendary Bob Woodward. He, of course, won half of Woodward and Bernstein Watergate fame and and sort of the next generation of Woodward, a guy that I know, Robert Costa, uh, who is incredibly uh, skilled as a journalist, has already proven his chops and uh, I guess is is sort of in the protege role in this tandem. I don't know. Robert Costa will be a guest here in the next couple of days talking about this book. The book comes out next week, as uh, is often the case with Woodward books. You know, there's a leak. There are a lot of details. uh, And the press is immediately titillated with with what he's been able to uncover. This, too, covers the waning days of the Trump administration. And 
already the book, it's called Peril, is one of those that causes anybody who can get, anybody in the press who can get in advance to publish a tidbit list. And that began yesterday. As a matter of fact, I was wired and ready to go on with Wolf Blitzer last night to talk about the, um, uh, well, new new reporting from Drew Griffin at CNN about what we what is now known about the events of January 6th. And as I'm sitting there with my IFB in my ear, meaning I can hear the feed from the program, I'm listening to the revelations of the new book about General Milley and, and not just about General Milley, the waning days of of Trump as seen through the eyes of Costa and Woodward, namely that General Milley took action to make sure that President Trump would not launch a nuclear strike. Such was his level of concern and that he inserted himself into the chain of command where he does not fall for nuclear decisions and said, essentially, I'm now a part of this. And some would say worse, alerted his Chinese counterpart that there would be no strike by the U.S. and that if there were to be one, he'd warn the Chinese. How come? Because he believed Trump to be totally unstable truly a madman with keys to the nuclear code, and that he had consulted with Nancy Pelosi along the way, most notably right after the events of January 6. It was, it was those sorts of revelations that immediately, from what I saw last night, late yesterday afternoon and into the night, earned him praise among many observers. You know, he was hailed as a hero for being so brave. Um, By the way, you, of course, know that he remains the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff now under President Biden. Who is this guy, by the way? Uh, Well-educated, went to Princeton, where he got a Bachelor of Arts and then holds a Master of Arts degree in international relations from Columbia, another in national security and strategic studies from the Naval War College, also an attendee of the MIT Center for International Studies. So very well-educated has had a long and very distinguished career. His assignments have included the 82nd Airborne, the 5th Special Forces Group, the 7th Infantry Division, 2nd Infantry Division, Joint Readiness Training Center, etc., etc., etc. He's had multiple command positions and staff positions in eight divisions and special forces throughout the last 49 years. So he has had a very long and distinguished career culminating in his appointment as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. That was back in 2015. When I heard the first reports yesterday, my reaction was much like those that I was hearing parroted in the media. Wow. What courage. What leadership. So on and so forth. Thank goodness there was someone. You know, it reminded me of of the guy who wrote the book initially uh, wrote a column initially uh, anonymously for the New York Times and said, hey, you know, America, don't worry because we've got your back. We here are minding the storm. We're going to make sure this guy Trump doesn't uh, get out of control. That was not my second reaction, though, because the, the more that I thought about this, the more that I thought about what had just taken place, if it's true, and I believe it's true, They've got a tran- they've got transcripts of the phone calls and let's not kid each other. Those transcripts definitely came because Millie and or Speaker Nancy Pelosi put them out there, wanted them to be out there for for historical purposes. 
the more that I thought about it, the more questions that I had. And as I often say on issues, you've got to think about this one not only in the present, not only, of course, evaluating Donald Trump, but also not just the the present, but also the precedent. I know it's hard to do that with Trump. I know that time and again, Donald Trump's involved in an issue and people weigh in according to whether they like or they dislike Donald Trump. This is one of those issues where you've got to step back. I want to summarize exactly what they say in the the book, but I don't want to be rushed. Isaac Stanley Becker in the post today gives a good summary. I'm going to have to read to you, but this is worthwhile. And then we can have at it as to what we make of this conduct, whether we praise it or whether we're troubled by it or somewhere in between. Twice in the final months of the Trump administration, the country's top military officer was so fearful that the president's actions might spark a war with China that he moved urgently to avert armed conflict. In a pair of secret phone calls, General Mark Milley, the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, assured his Chinese counterpart, General Li Zhuchang of the People's Liberation Army, that the United States would not strike, according to the new book by Mr. Woodward and Costa. One call took place October 30, 2020, four days before the election, that unseated President Donald Trump. The other, on January 8, two days after the Capitol siege carried out by his supporters in a quest to cancel the vote. The first call was prompted by Milley's review of intelligence suggesting the Chinese believed the United States was preparing to attack. That belief, the authors write, was based on tensions over military exercises in the South China Sea, then deepened by Trump's belligerent rhetoric, rhetoric pardon me, toward China. General Lee, this is a quote, I want to assure you that the American government is stable and everything is going to be okay. We are not going to attack or conduct any kinetic operations against you. That's a direct quote of what Milley told him. In the book's account, Milley went so far as to pledge he would alert his counterpart in the event of a U.S. attack, stressing the rapport they'd established through a back channel. Quote, General Lee, you and I have known each other now for five years. If we're going to attack, I'm I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. Whoa, wait a minute. Really? I mean, when you when you evaluate this is me speaking, not the Washington Post, when you evaluate that through a Trump lens. I know some of you are saying, wow, thank God he wasn't going to allow it to happen. What if the Chinese needed to be spanked? For all the right reasons. We're going to tell them in advance and the warning is going to come from the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Lee took the chairman at his word, the authors of uh, Peril Right, which is set to be released next week. In the second call placed to address Chinese fears about the events of January 6, Lee wasn't easily assuaged, even after Milley promised him We are, quote, we are 100 percent steady. Everything's fine. But democracy can be sloppy sometimes. Further along, there's a telephone conversation January 8 between Speaker Pelosi and Milley. Believing that China would lash out if it felt at risk from an unpredictable and vengeful American president, Milley took action the same day. He called the admiral overseeing the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command and military unit responsible for Asia and Pacific region, recommended postponing the military exercises, also according to the book. Then how about this? 
Milley also summoned senior officers to review the procedures for launching nuclear weapons, saying the president alone could give the order, but crucially that he, Milley, also had to be involved. Looking each in the eye, Milley asked the officers to affirm that they had understood the author's right in what he considered a quote-unquote oath. So now he's injected himself into the command structure where I don't believe he has a role. Fact check me, but I don't think so. And says, you know, you're going to have to honor whatever the order might be, but I'm now involved in this. This is like uh, Dr. Strangelove-ish, isn't it? The chairman knew that he was pulling a Schlesinger, the authors wrote, resorting to measures resembling the ones taken in August of 1974 by James R. Schlesinger, the defense secretary at the time. He told military officials to check with him and the chair of the Joint Chiefs before carrying out orders from President Richard Nixon, who was facing impeachment at the time. Peril, the book, is based on interview authors, more than 200 people, conducted on the condition that they not be named as sources. Exact quotations or conclusions are drawn from the participant in the described event, a colleague with direct knowledge or relevant documents, according to the author's note. Trump and Biden declined to be interviewed. Well, clearly Milley participated. It it makes me wonder, because remember, I told you that I was first thinking about General Milley when Carol Lennig and Phil Rucker wrote their book, I Alone Can Fix It. They didn't have this. They had a lot of reporting that had to, common sense tells me, had to have come directly from General Milley, but they didn't have this. That's kind of interesting to me. I'll have to ask Mark Halpert about that. He's got much more experience than I do in such matters. But does a source like Milley, in wanting his story to be told, in wanting to history, in wanting history to reflect, you know, hopefully in his mind more than that he was a participant in the storming of Lafayette Square, does he sit back and say, hmm, I'll give this to Lenig and Rucker, and then I'll give this to Costa and Woodward? The January 8 call from Pelosi, the call, quote, the call transcript obtained by the authors shows Pelosi telling Milley, referring to Trump, he's crazy. You know, he's crazy. He's crazy. And what he did yesterday is further evidence of his craziness, to which Milley replied, I agree with you on everything. Had to have come from one or the other, right? There's more to the story. It's posted as the lead item at Smirconish.com. If you want a, a great summary of what's contained in this new book, go there. When I read it last night, there were already 12,000 comments appended to it. And here's the dichotomy. Comment number one, meaning at the time that I was on the post website, it was the most responded to posting. Quote, A lot of this kind of thing will come out in the next few years, confirming what anyone who paid attention already knew. Trump was not only a criminal, not only inept and ignorant like no other president, but also seriously mentally impaired. Milley is one of the many heroes who helped save the nation from utter disaster under Trump. And I know... That is, that is a viewpoint shared by many of you. Here was the second comment. He's a traitor. No, not Trump, Milley. He's a traitor. It is the definition of a coup by the military. 
he talked to the enemy. He told them the United States was weak because the president was nuts. He subordinated his commander-in-chief, the legitimate but mentally ill president of the United States. A soldier has the right not to follow an illegitimate order. So I'm mulling all of this over. I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm multitasking last night because now I'm wired and in the chair to appear with my POTUS colleague, Chris Cuomo, on his show to talk about the California recall, which I'll get to later in the program. But you can picture this dynamic. They want me in the chair 10 minutes in advance, and therefore I'm wired and able to listen to the feed. I could have watched it on television, but I'm watching, I'm listening to the feed of the guest who precedes me. You know who the guest was? It was Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. You remember Vindman because Vindman came to national attention. It was Vindman who was the reporter of the phone call between Trump and the Ukraine President Zelensky. It was Vindman who was alarmed when he was monitoring that call from down below. Well, Trump was in the residence that day. This was July of 2019. Let me just remind you that Trump was in the residence. I think the call was late morning. He is uh, taking a phone call or placing a phone call to Ukraine's President Zelensky. Zelensky desperately wants a meeting, and he wants release of $400 million in security aid that the Trump administration had frozen. Why? I think I can say this without even throwing in any alleged, because Trump wanted Biden investigated by Ukraine. You know, I'd like you to do us a favor. And this was the reason why Trump faced impeachment number one. Vinman was the whistleblower. Vinman was monitoring the call that was part of his job because he had oversight for our relationship with Ukraine, broadly described, and, and he was the whistleblower. Just so you know who you're dealing with here, as I offer you this opinion. Vinman was the guy who, who felt he needed to go public because of the impropriety he saw on the part of President Donald Trump, and that's what resulted in Trump being impeached in the first go-round. So what do you think Vinman thinks of Milley? Here's what he told Chris Cuomo. Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vinman, uh, welcome to Primetime. It's good to see you, sir. Thank you for your service once again. Thanks, Chris. Do you believe Milley did that? Let's start there. Well, first of all, I find the, the, the reporting on China to be, to be frankly absurd. I cannot imagine a situation in which the chairman of the Joint Chiefs offers to warn an adversary of an imminent attack. So I, I find that, you know, kind of uh, casting a, a shadow over the, the rest of the reporting. I think the reason that I found this so credible, there's more that I want you to hear, is because I'm, I'm not getting this on Fox. This is not Hannity. This is not Mark Levin, you know, pitching a fit and saying that we need to go arrest General Milley. This is Vindman. This is a guy who was there, faced a circumstance that he thought was troublesome, and you know what he did. He reported it through proper channels, did it anonymously, meaning we didn't know who he was. He was a whistleblower. Because he thought, I've got an obligation to speak up, but I'm going to speak up through the structure of what the government provides, and it then ran its course. So I I just thought, wow, this is an interesting perspective I'm hearing here of a guy with his experience who says, 
essentially, how could General Milley ever have called the Chinese and told them, yeah, we're vulnerable, but don't worry, we'll warn you if something comes from it. And that's why I said, if the reporting is accurate, if, if, the, if the, the senior most military officer in the United States Army or in the United States military acted without any oversight, without any accountability, I find that deeply troubling. It's doing the, the, what to me seems like the wrong thing for seemingly the right reason. There's not, not a way to, to get away with that. There's not a way to walk away from that unscathed. I just finished. Right Therein now. lies today's survey question. When I heard him say it, I thought, that's, that's the question. Did General Milley, for the right reasons, nevertheless do the wrong thing? Did he nevertheless do the wrong thing by going around the commander-in-chief making a promise to, is, is enemy the proper word? I mean, we're, we're, not, we're not on the same page with China in so many. A, a, mil, a military opponent, I think I would say it that way. Um, Milley seems to have broken the whole premise of civilian control over our military. He wasn't elected. Donald Trump was elected. I know. I know. You don't like Trump. Trump makes you nervous. Trump's a madman. He was being manic. I get all of that. But is the answer for someone with a lot of stars on his uniform to now assert himself? Call a meeting and say, I'm now a part of this nuclear command structure? Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 